0: Episode number three of the Never Watchers podcast, a Marvel Cinematic related podcast, where I have watched them, but my co-host Kurt Lewin has not. So, do you want to say hello?
1: Hi, 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 everyone. Hi, Pete. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, it's uh, it's good. Um, Come back after the well, back at work now after the Christmas break and uh, ready to rock. Yeah, because it was
0: strange when we recorded the last one. We were both on sort of, you know, vacation. Let's just say between Christmas and New Year, so we were just enjoying enjoying the film whilst we could. And yeah, we had Iron Man. Uh, sorry, we had a, a Incredible Hulk last time, which was um, different. So yeah, I mean. Uh, in this one, we're going to come on to Iron Man 2, which is the third movie in the cinematic universe and Marvel's first sequel in the cinematic universe. So, uh, first and foremost, um, uh, we usually do this. How did you generally find the film?
1: Uh, again, I thought it was a good film. Um, I would probably uh, put it on around a par with the first Iron Man film. Okay. in terms of my overall enjoyment of it. Sure. Um, there was a few uh, issues that I had with it, maybe more issues than what I had with the first Iron Man film, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll get into. But of uh, overall, I thought it was a, a good film, and maybe the high points of the film were ha- helped to overcome any issues I had with it. Mm. Sit out. I think I
0: said I might have said this to you before but I definitely did tell my brother about this that this is the fifth time that I've tr- attempted to watch this movie but only the second okay. the second time I've ever completed it.
1: Right, okay. Uh, so is is that because you're not particularly fond of it?
0: I wouldn't say so. I think it was I think a couple of times it was watching at the wrong time of the day so trying mm. to watch a film at one o'clock in the morning is never a good idea let's be <laughs> honest so and trying to watch it on your phone is also not a good idea too so this time mm. around i made sure i had it on the big screen and luckily enough actually due to a recent upgrade i managed to watch this in ultra 4k as well right so first experience of 4k was actually quite pleasing
1: right cool so um i would say that with this one um i'd uh int- like the flow of the film I thought was the easiest to follow from a story perspective than any of them that I've seen so far. Yeah, I I have to I, I, I found yeah, I found it like a very easy watch.
0: Yeah, where the first Iron Man sort of like jumps around a bit of the timeline to begin with. Um mm. and you know, Incredible Hulk does a sort of similar thing where it jumps around various different locations and they're quick they're quick to move on, basically, whereas this one felt a lot more focused, you know, yeah. in terms of its timeline and its uh its structure.
2: Mm.
0: So, uh, my next question is, and I think this is probably the biggest elephant in the room, uh, the change from, oh God, what is his, uh, Terrence Malick to um John Don Cheadle as Roadie.
1: Yeah. So how did you take that? Well, uh, if I'm being totally honest um because one of my faults when i'm watching films is that on unless it's like a proper main character that's in like almost all the scenes i often tend to forget characters names especially if you're going from one film to another okay so if i'm if i'm totally honest i thought that this guy was a new guy um yeah that had just come along uh, it was only later on in the film when I was starting to question why he was so close to um, uh, Iron Man or um, uh, what's his to name? Tony. To Tony Stark, yeah. Um, yeah, it was uh, particularly in the scene where he goes to his house party and, is, and he is able to get into the Iron Man suit. I was thinking, well, how is he um, even. He's got pretty good control of this suit. To say that he's never worn one before. But yeah. then, so so at that point, I thought I'm just gonna just do a quick Google of this character, mm. and and then I then I realised that it was it was it was the same character from the first film, but they had changed the actor. Yeah, of course.
0: Um, I, I would have thought that it would have been uh, quite obvious during the um, and we'll get into the bear bare basics of the plot in a minute but when they're doing the senate hearing um for the weapons division basically and yeah talking about the iron man suit and they want it blacklisted basically and given over to the government um, yeah, yeah when they introduced colonel james rhodes i thought it would have tweaked then but i guess obviously, it, it,
1: it, it sh- uh, yeah it's totally a fault of mine it should have clicked at that point <laughs> but um As I say, uh, because I really struggle to remember characters' names, even though I only watched this the uh, the first time and not so long ago. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was some higher-up person from the army. Okay. I mean, if you
0: would have watched these films back-to-back, would you have made that comparison a little bit quicker then?
1: If I'm totally honest, probably not. Um, I I struggle that much (laughs) with character names. Okay, Um, fair enough. I mean, this might be this might
0: be a recurring theme throughout the MCU then, because there are some actor changes that do happen. So uh, I would say
1: be, yeah. on, be on your toes. Yeah, be on, Yeah, I'll try to be a bit more um, alert to character names going yeah, forward.
0: because the, the thing is, that you're in the early stages of this MCU where they hadn't quite figured out the, the whole formula of how they were going to go across the phases, so... Um, they're still toying with quite a lot of ideas, and I would say that the only reason why these films matter, like, so Iron Man 1 and 2, and Incredible Hulk, is setting up the characters. It's not really setting up the overall story arc throughout the whole thing, so uh, Mm. just, I think it's after this film where it starts to play a bit more of a role, but we'll talk about that, Mm. obviously, in future episodes, so
1: shall we uh, now... Uh, just before we go into the plot, um, I don't know if we just want to address now, um, what was the reason for that act changeover. Um,
0: I actually don't know, to be honest. It's a very weird one. I should have looked this up. Uh, I'm going to see if I can try and find out. It's just a bit unusual. Um, I I always find it strange anyway, especially in the first movie. I don't know if you remember the specific line, but do you remember when Tony goes out into the suit to go after Obadiah in that film? When yeah. you have Rody who was played by Terence Malick there, look at the suit and go next time, baby. And it's sort of like, uh, oh, it's Terence Howard, not Terence Malick. Sorry, Terence Malick is a uh is a director. I should have known that. Um, so. Yeah, he he looks at it and goes, next time, baby. And it's like, oh, it seems a bit weird that, like, knowing the context of that, that the actor actually changes. It's sort of like, hmm. I know what they're trying yeah. to set up. It just seems weird. So, uh, oh, apparently, um, Terrence Howard had a falling out with Marvel Studios.
2: All right. Yeah, I just, okay. like, just <laughs> saw that on the IMDb <laughs> trivia
0: page, so... Okay.
1: Pretty standard. Yeah.
0: It, it seems that way, and that's probably it's also probably the same reason why Ed Norton doesn't return as well. So, uh, yeah, it's the early days of the MCU. And there's gonna be a conflict and weirdness, you know. So, yeah. All right. So, so
1: uh, yeah, that's that's getting. I was gonna say. So the... down the
0: cast list quickly, actually, because uh, we usually do that. Um, so, um. So, the cast list of this film is Robert Downey Jr. playing Tony Stark, Gwyneth Paltrow playing Pepper Potts. Uh, like we've already said, Don Cheadle is playing Colonel Rhodes this time around. And um, we've got quite a few new additions into this one, but returning cast members are Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury, uh, Clark Gregg as Agent Colson, um, you've got John Favreau as um, Happy Hogan. And in terms of the re- returning cast, that's it. Uh, the new members are Scarlett Johansson. We'll go into that one a little bit more in a bit. Got Sam Rockwell as the one of the antagonists here, which is Justin Hammer, and Mickey Rourke as Ivan Vanko. But we we will talk more about his uh, his code name later. Yep. So okay, so the cast uh, cast has been uh, spoken about. So
1: shall we get into the so, the new energy. Yep. So we start off in like a cave with uh, Ivan Banco with his dad. Um, So this is something I immediately didn't really like about the film. Okay. Um, Like at this point, I was really thinking in my head, because I'd never seen these characters before, Mm -hmm. I was thinking, should I recognize these people? Yeah. and what they're talking about, and it, it, they've obviously got some kind of relationship to Tony Stark. But I, I, I was thinking, should I be remembering something like that I missed in the first film? Um, but it's only later on in the film that we get to see what that relationship was. Yeah. Where personally, I would have preferred it if it was made a lot clearer straight off the bat. Mm.
0: Yeah. I- partially agree with you i think this is a kind of a sequel problem and this isn't just this film i think this happens a lot in sequels generally that they've already established main characters so you haven't got a lot of the the first act of setting up a lot of stuff so especially when it comes to your main characters like tony and pepper and all that so you have to sort of spend some time drilling into your supporting players a bit more. And the the thing that I really did like about this particular scene was the fact that they upended it with the ending of Iron Man 1 to uh, the speech yeah. that Tony gives at the press conference at the very end of the film is being played whilst um, Ivan Vanko is obviously talking to this person that you have no idea who is. Uh, yeah. yeah, okay, it's a little confusing, but I, I I looked at that and I went, I know full well that they're playing this air of mystery about him. Uh, they're mm-hmm. going to reveal it a bit later. Uh, but I do agree, the first time I saw this film, I did question who the heck this was and whether or not I should
2: know who they are. Yeah. So, yeah, it's probably a,
0: a little bit of a fault on the, on the filmmaker's part and the script's, uh, script editors part for doing so.
1: Well, I don't. Know. I don't know a... if it, it's necessarily a fault. I don't. I. Th- I, th- I think it's more just my personal preference for what I would have preferred to have seen. Like, I, I get the air of mystery, and mm. I think they could still have that with the with like like Tony Stark still not having a clue who this guy is until later in the film. But yeah. as a member of the audience I personally would have liked to have because it's pretty obvious from that first scene that they're going to be the villain.
0: Yeah, I think it's very it, very clear isn't
1: it? But it's like it, it, it's it's clear that they're the villain but the motive isn't really established other than the, the fact that he's got some kind of relationship with Tony mm-hmm. that makes him hate him. Yeah. But we don't, we've got no real clue why yet.
0: Yeah, I think, I think it's one of those things that they just try to develop it over time, and like I said with um, sequels, they tend to not focus quite heavily on, on their main characters, so they have to do the whole exposition dump on on the antagonist, and they sort of get to that later on, and I felt they probably could have added a couple little bit of sprinkles here and there to sort of keep you going. And you, you as an audience member learn about it kind of when Tony does. And I think yeah. that probably would have worked a
1: little bit better in my yeah. personal opinion. Yeah. Sorry. Um, And then we move forward. I think it says six months later. Yes. Where, so this is another thing that confused me that might be just my lack of knowledge. Or because I missed it in the first film, but we see Tony at um, his big park Stark Expo. Yes. Um, Now, was was that a a building in the? Was that a thing in the first film? Um, I don't recall it
0: being seen in the first film. I think. I think that's why they spend quite a lot of time talking about Stark Expo because it wasn't very well explained anywhere
1: else. When you say you're not when they say you're talking a lot about it you mean in this film not in the first film. Yeah,
0: they don't speak about it at all in the first film. From yeah, exactly. They yeah. spend a lot of time talking about it and it turns out that the Stark Expo ends up being quite a huge key moment. And it's... Yeah, exactly.
2: Like
1: and, it, it's littered
0: yeah, throughout the whole film, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's... and yeah, it just it it it's saying like six months later, and the fact that it's as well as far as I know, not really even referenced in the first film. Mm. It's kind of like it's just propped up out of out of nowhere. I agree. Um, and yeah, so it's popped up out of nowhere to serve the purpose of um, what it's used for later in the film with the whole um, uncovering the new element to help him live. Yeah,
0: we'll get to that later, obviously. It was a really interesting thing that I did with it, but also quite questionable. But we'll talk about that a lot more as we go on. So we're at at Stark Expo, right?
3: uh,
1: Yeah. In the early stages yeah, and he's kind of like announcing his new plans, and um, it really did remind me of like um, a Steve Jobs character in this this opening. Like, he's got lots of adoring fans. Mm-hmm. Um, like at that stage, he's got the cheerleaders behind him. Yeah, uh, yeah. It kind of just reminded me of like a Steve Jobs or. Um, Elon Musk character I'm glad you yeah. mentioned
0: Elon Musk because he makes an appearance in the film doesn't he? Oh, right. Yeah he's one of the cameos who, during the Stark Expo where I think Tony says something to someone about I, I can't remember the line but that is actually Elon Musk he's talking to Right. and I didn't recognise it the first time I watched it or the first couple of times I tried to watch it it was this time I went hold on uh, Elon Musk because I've seen him a lot more now uh, mm-hmm. through like appearances on like Joe Rogan and stuff like that. So it was just a bit strange, but I did want to just pull it back a slight bit. Uh, the entrance that Tony makes as Iron Man, obviously, into Stark Expo. Mm. Uh, did you get a little bit disorientated watching that? Uh, yes, yeah,
2: it's.
0: I couldn't stand it. It was horrid. Uh, The uh, the way that they shot the film, this particular section, is it's like they're trying to go for one shot, but the camera keeps like stay doesn't exactly stay in one position, and Tony's flying all over the place. So it's sort of just he flies past the camera, and it's having a hard time keeping up. And it's I didn't enjoy it. It was supposed to give off this spectacle of, oh, look at this grandiose scale that he's just about to jump into. You know, there's fireworks going off. He gets hit by a firework at one point, which I <laughs> think is quite funny. But mm. uh, other than that, I just think it's really poorly shot, actually.
1: Mm. No, I can see. It. Yeah.
0: It was a big disappointment watching that. But I think it's one of the very few moments throughout this film that I, I wondered about the filmmaking.
1: Mm. So
0: anyway, we'll move on.
1: Um, and that. so after that, we see the, well, it's like the Congre- Congressional Committee mm-hmm. um, with Senator Stern. Oh. And he wants to make uh, Tony make the Iron Man an exclusive property of the, uh, the American Defense Department. Yeah. Uh, I kind of, I kinda, I, quite, I don't know about this scene. Because, whilst I thought it was quite funny, like how Tony is acting in in what is a very uh, formal, um, like yes, yeah, in a court very, basically. Yeah, it's a formal um,
0: hearing, and it's like
1: it's being televised, tra- and everything. Yeah, and he's just treating it like a joke, really. Which and it, that was yeah, it was funny, but it just seemed a bit too unrealistic to me like I don't think you could get away with that kind of behavior really yeah. um, and like it was kind of like everyone in that court was on his side as well like laughing along with his jokes um whereas it was only kind of like the senator that was um upset with him yeah him and, and, and I, Justin Hammer as well oh yeah yeah and I know but I also didn't get what wh- why did he keep turning around to Pepper and like wording stuff to her like i i didn't know what he was doing
0: i have no idea there were a lot of really strange decisions in this particular moment like in this <laughs> particular scene itself uh whilst once again john favreau knows how to write uh either write good humor or knows how to direct his actors to be great humor in in a natural way i just felt it was a little bit too silly for what what was
2: it exactly it yeah he's supposed to be
0: this business owner you know ceo yes he's eccentric (laughs) yes he's a a a crowd pleaser and all that sort of thing but you would sort of expect that this would have massive reputational damage to his brand yeah and i just I, i couldn't gel with it to be honest and Especially the moment where he pulls his phone out and hacks their (laughs) computer and takes everything. It's like, come on, his phone would have been locked outside of the room during a congressional (laughs) hearing. That kind of, it's kind of Uncanny Valley moment that we've hit here. It's like, it just shows off how resourceful Tony can be, but it is a little bit ludicrous and a bit ridiculous.
2: No, I agree. Yeah,
0: I did like the fact that um, the coding on the, on the screen itself did say "Hello, Mr. Stark," though.
2: Mm. <laughs>
0: a bit strange.
1: This is also the scene where we, yeah, we first get introduced to Justin Hammer, who's played by Sam Rockwell. Um, I'm a big fan of Sam Rockwell as an actor.
0: He's fantastic, and he kills it in this role as well.
1: I disagree. Really? Well, not necessarily. I think I think I think he does extremely well in um what he's obviously been instructed to do in terms of how he's supposed to act this role. Yeah. Um but I wasn't a, necessarily a fan of of that. It, it, so my problem with Justin Hammer as a character, I just thought he was too cheesy for my liking. Okay,
0: Um, I can I can sympathise. I can agree with you actually that he is quite a caricature of what what he should be.
1: Yeah, definitely. I I I get what they was going with. Mm. Um, Like it it was definitely meant to be again some kind of like Elon Musk type person or character, but times ten, and. Yeah, it didn't really gel with me. I I couldn't believe that a guy who's this, this kind of so charismatic, mm-hmm. would be in a position that he is. Like the the scene that really showed that to me was when he is um, presenting all those weapons to um to what's his name Colonel. Oh, uh, to Roadie. Uh, yeah. I will get into um, that later because I, I, I don't know why I really like that scene. Well, uh, yeah. Again, I like it. And it's funny, but yeah. he's coming up with all these um, like words to describe the weapons. Yeah, and yeah, they're funny, but I just thought it's just too too cheesy, and it was just like it was like it, you, like you're going into that situation, and it's like he's rehearsed it um, okay. in his head, like how he's gonna what how he's gonna present all these weapons. To someone, mm-hmm. but yeah, I just didn't. It didn't really sit that well with me.
0: Okay, uh, like I said, I can understand that. But the way I sort of interpreted this is, he's trying to be as charismatic as Tony, but clearly isn't. He's trying to be likable like Tony, but clearly isn't. You know, <laughs> he is. He's trying so desperately hard to be Tony, but can't be Tony because he hasn't got the same genius and the same. Charisma, yeah. or the same stage presence that he does. He is, yeah, he is a beat here, Tony Stark,
1: and I would, I would agree. So I remember towards the end of the film when he's on the stage and um, presenting oh. all of his um, soldiers, yeah. and like um, he does this big speech and does a joke and like there's like a smattering of applause and mm. no one laughs, yeah. Um,
0: he he wants the plaudits, but he never gets them. And yeah. it's always Tony who gets every single plaudit. Because, I mean, we'll look at a couple of scenes later on down the line. But specifically, one of the, one of the scenes in Monaco where mm. he speaks to Tony and he gets absolutely basically buoyed off by him completely... Because he just goes elsewhere and is like, I don't really want to talk to you. You're a bit of an idiot. Like Based yeah. on this congressional hearing that you've had where you made me look like a joke, like he obviously wants to do something to him. And there's uh, ulterior motives with him then. But you get this impression that this is just a build-up throughout the whole film. That actually he's at, he's at breaking point with everybody, including Vanco. Yeah, uh, but yet he just cannot get anyone to bend to his will because he hasn't got the ability to do so because you see that throughout the film where he second-guesses even himself. Yeah. Because, you know, I like the thing with, with... And I know we're slightly skipping ahead here, but the thing with, with the bird, where he's like, mm-hmm. OK, I'm going to get you the bird, and then the bird comes along. He's like, but it's not your bird, and he's like, and he's like but you'll like it anyway. And then it got, sort of gets played round onto him a little bit later on when it comes to the drones. And it's sort of like, well, you've just been bested by a smarter person. I'm afraid there.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so it, I I felt for those reasons that he was actually quite well done, but I can see your point of view.
1: Yeah. It was kind of just like, kind of reminded me of uh, early James Bond films where he'd have a really camp, um, like villain.
0: Yeah, it's like they're trying to telegraph very early on that he's a villain.
1: Yeah, okay. I think the I think the next is the next point the Monaco Grand Prix.
0: I think we yeah, I think we are there actually.
1: Yeah, because it's starts yeah. to
0: explode, and he does a few things here and there, and then it's over to Monaco.
1: Yeah, and we see, just before that we see that uh, Ivan Banco has made his way um, over. To France as well, or to Monaco.
0: Yeah, because he he does a dodgy deal with someone in an in an alleyway. Yeah, uh, gets a passport to be able to get over there, and yeah, it's at this point that you see that he's built basically an arc reactor as well. Yeah, so it's at this point you're starting to see that Vanco is actually a legitimate threat.
1: Yeah. So, oh, I, I was quite in, I wonder how he got that through customs uh, that suit <laughs> um, an art <laughs> reactive oh my god
0: I, Oh my god! I never thought about that
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> also the one thing that I thought of last night when I was watching this is you know when he's sitting in, in the alleyways waiting for his contact to turn up to give him the passport he hmm. gets given this thing and the guy walks away so he stands in the alleyway then he walks out of the alleyway to see the coast is clear then goes back into the alleyway to check his document it's like wouldn't you just walk away, go back to where you've got to go and then check if everything's okay. <laughs> like, yeah. If you're trying to be inconspicuous, you're not really being very conspicuous. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's a bit weird. Um, but yeah, this um, Monaco uh, sequence, um, I thought this was one of the best points of the film. I agree. This, it's um, one
0: of the very few action moments throughout the whole
1: film. And I think yeah. it's quite well done. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, so um, I, I kind of thought when T- Tony decides that he wants to drive his own car at um, the Grand Prix, mm-hmm. I would. I, I didn't. Well, again, you've got to kind of suspend your disbelief here, but I don't know whether you'd be allowed to do that. Such well at all, because I assume you need some kind of license to be able to to do that. Um,
0: Not even just the license, the training, the. Uh... Uh, the safety protocols. The, uh, the fact that he's done absolutely no qualifying whatsoever, either.
3: And,
2: yeah.
0: And you could, and this is what made me laugh about it, is Tony comes down, he makes this whole big spill. But I don't know if you noticed the racing car driver throw his helmet down on the floor in absolute frustration.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, that
0: made me laugh. I don't know why.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I well I can see why. I was- where it's coming from.
0: Yeah. You'd be furious if you'd done all this qualifying and then some (laughs) rocks up and takes your car.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I thought it was a great, uh, sequence overall. Um, uh, I don't get, I don't know how we don't really see how even manages to like infiltrate as a, like safety steward or whatever he's dressed up as. um, but, yeah, the, the way that the scene is shot is very exciting, yeah. uh, cutting between the cars uh, and then and cutting to Evan as well. Yeah. And then we also get parts where we see, like, Pepper and Justin watching over the race and doing some talking with various people. Yeah. Um, uh, but then we eventually Evan comes onto the track dressed like a uh, kinky gladiator uh, wielding <laughs> electric whips everywhere. Um, and, uh, yes, just starts uh, slicing the place up.
0: Uh, yeah, it's every car that comes along, he'll slice it up or he'll do something, basically. Because shall we explain his suit a little bit for those listening yeah. who might not have seen it? Um, basically, his suit is has got an arc reactor in the middle, uh, but it is... Uh, a chest plate that has electric whips on it. Uh, which, you know, you don't know about this at the time, but actually, I don't know if he, he ever says it in the film, but he's actually. Uh, his supervillain name is called Whiplash, and it sort of makes sense.
1: Right. So, I don't know. I, well, I, I don't remember any reference to that in the film. No, I didn't
0: either, so I was just i just thought i'd mention it here because obviously we didn't we didn't actually hear that throughout the whole film no so um i have issues with whilst i enjoyed this film i did have a fair few issues with this uh this sequence and it's mainly through logistics and the fact that i know a little bit about formula one and the fact that um some of this stuff wouldn't happen you know, so uh, I think it's, def- <laughs> it's definitely a suspend the disbelief sort of moment. But, you know, the first car goes down, but yet they're all still racing. Nah, nah. Oh, red, yeah. Red, yeah, red, yeah. Fla- red yeah. flag would come out immediately or, a, flag <laughs> or a virtual safety car. <laughs> mm. So it, it's a little bit strange that this guy infiltrates the track, but yet races still happens and cars are not even being told that there is yeah. a massive accident up ahead yeah. So I think yeah, let's just let's just put that one to the side. It was one thing I thought of last night like, again, I was just like Yeah, it wouldn't work like this, but okay, no, pit, okay, pit let's
1: go. Sorry. A pit stop had sort that out when oh, damage okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it damaged the car.
0: Well can't be ripped entirely and yeah. <laughs> exploded. Yeah. yeah, Pit, pit Crew could sort that one out.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um the reveal of Whiplash himself. Or what did you think?
1: I thought it was cool. I liked how he's got his um, like overalls on, and then this like burn away to reveal um, this suit that he's made. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I thought
0: it was alright actually. It was one of the one of the few say massive bright spots throughout this whole film, like it was quite a good reveal,
2: yeah, so, you know, and obviously um, got
0: everything leading up to the fact that he'd made this reactor, he was building the the whips themselves, so when you see it all together mm. it it's definitely you see the uh the creation itself and how much work has gone into this whole plan of uh, of revenge, let's say,
1: yeah, and I can say that I was fearful of him like he seemed to, to be a very powerful and the way that he just slices those like these cars and into like, like a knife through butter yeah. is yeah quite alarming oh yeah
0: it's ridiculous uh, he cuts through these massive like these cars like that are designed to take impact he just literally cuts through them like you said like butter It's really interesting, actually. And it's like I said, you see how much of a massive threat he is, even just to Tony in this moment.
1: Yeah. And then we see when Pepper and, um, uh, yeah, Happy come to the rescue. And, like, it's another one of those situations where suddenly his aim is totally off and he manages to keep missing them when when he's thrashing his whips around. Mm. Um, he Yeah, he manages to slice every part of that uh, Rolls-Royce. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Happy
0: is Happy sitting in the right-hand seat. So it's, it's not, it's left, I think it's, it's left in handed, the left handed, seat. Yeah, because so it's, yeah, it's Monaco, it's um, continental driving. So yeah, they're both sitting in the left-hand side of the car. You know exactly where they are. Yeah, he slices through the middle, slices through the front slices the car in half slices the door off
1: yeah <laughs> okay yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and it gets thrown the suitcase uh, tony does that yeah. um but, like, again I, I don't know how i feel about that suitcase it just seems a bit too far-fetched to me like in yeah. terms of um, yeah
0: this. This becomes a bit of a running theme throughout the MCU uh, where uh, Tony makes massive additions to his suits in very interesting ways where uh, you kind of have to you kind of have to just put that to the side and go eh, this could happen in this hyper exaggerated universe that they're building Yeah. You know, um, I agree with you the case makes no sense Uh, The fact that obviously they know exactly what's going to happen when Tony jumps into that car and Happy and um, Pepper are already preparing the fact that they're getting into the car to go and take the suit to him because they know something's going to happen. Yeah. It's like, well, he's just jumped into a race car. What? Yeah. Why does he need an Iron Man suit and a race car? Yeah. Uh, And also, yeah, okay. The steward's didn't exactly try and stop them from driving onto the onto the course itself. No.
2: Also, my god, how did they manage to avoid every <laughs> yeah. single one of those cars <laughs> that are going probably about hundred and
0: sixty miles per hour in a Rolls Royce?
1: Yeah. In the opposite <laughs> direction. Yeah.
0: And and we all know that Monaco, like this track itself particularly, is like one of the most famous in Formula One. Because it is—it's it's literally on narrow. the streets of Mor- of of the area, so yeah, they're, they're, there's quite a lot of blind turns in there. So you would imagine that Happy would have caused at least an accident of some sort. Yeah. So do you
1: know if they? Do you know if they filmed this like when a um, the Grand Prix weekend was actually happening?
0: It's highly possible that they probably did. Because I remember, I think I recall that during the Monaco Grand Prix, Grand Prix, they do close the roads, um, yeah, around race time and qualifying, practice, and all that. I just don't know whether or not they would have kept them closed to film this, uh, to film this, uh, at the same time, or whether or not this is all green screened. Yeah, I'm not. I can't work that one out.
2: So, okay, it does look very genuine
0: in Monaco, so I wouldn't suppose yeah, yeah. they were actually there, because they do this a lot during the film, Yeah, they do go to some pretty exotic locations, and Marvel does have a tendency to want to film on location.
1: Yeah, so, and Monaco would get some money for it. Oh,
0: of course, yeah, they would have got a filming license, everything, so
1: it's, yeah. poss- it's very possible, but I can't say uh, 100% sure. Yeah, uh, so then, uh, well, it- Uh, Ivan gets defeated uh, and gets arrested um, and we see him in prison and and Tony goes to visit him.
0: Yeah, I'm just going to bring up a bit of trivia for this one because I thought this one's interesting. So it says on IMDB around about the 47 minute mark, so it's the moment when uh, Ivan Vanko gets uh, arrested. It says, the photo of Ivan being arrested that Tony Stark views in his research in the act is an actual media photo of Mickey Rourke being arrested got on drugs charge when he was young. Oh, right.
2: right.
0: <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Like, because you can clearly see it as a very young Mickey, uh, Mickey Rourke.
1: Yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> so. Um, and that's kind of the the early indication of what uh, relationship he has with um, with Tony.
0: Yeah. So he has this very weird relationship with him doesn't he yeah in in some degree it's like we'll, we're going to it a bit more in a bit because I think it explains it a bit more later
2: yeah it does yeah
0: but it does it has something to do with the, the old man that you see in the opening section of the film and it also has something to do with Tony's dad yeah uh, which is uh, Howard Stark he's quite a prominent figure throughout um, throughout the MTU as well
1: yeah because so. that uh, this is kind of like a breaking point for Tony because it is well from what I remember after this scene mm. we kind of see him having a bit of a breakdown
0: yeah basically his um uh, he keeps testing his blood doesn't he because it's it would appear that he has palladium poisoning. Yeah. Uh, palladium being the... Um,
1: uh, the element that's yeah, keeping him alive.
0: That's the one, yeah. It's the, we spoke about it in the first episode. It's this weird thing that they had so little of but managed to make something in this cave. Um, mm. So it actually turns out that he's being poisoned by it. And as the film goes on, he's told nobody about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But SHIELD no.
1: Yeah. And Nick Fury, obviously. Yeah. I also didn't know whether he's having a bit of a breakdown over um his whole interaction with Ivan in the prison. Um mm. like because Ivan's suggesting to him right at the, I can't remember his exact words now, but kinda like how it's gonna be soon he's gonna be losing his um, influence, or it, it says some quote about like God and mm. worshiping a God, something like that. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, I do recall the line. I can't remember exactly what he says for sure.
1: Yeah, but it does. So I thought, I thought that kind of played into might have played into Tony's mind.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree, but I also think it's um, a lot of the other stuff around him that's going on that causes the breakdown because. He obviously wants to tell Pepper what's going on, but he's having to sign his company over in secret. Um yeah. he's he's basically got um God what they call her Natalie throughout the film, don't don't they? So uh legal we'll call her. Legal yeah. Natalie. Um <laughs> so she's constantly in the background, like trying to flirt with Tony. Um, yeah, in front of Pepper, and she gets a bit annoyed by it. But then, for some reason, she ends up like using her quite a lot when she takes control of the company. Oddly enough, um,
2: yeah.
0: Uh, and, and yeah, he's obviously not having, not being able to tell Rodi. He's not. He can't. He, he's keeping this all to himself. So the only person who really knows anything about this poisoning is Jarvis. Yeah, and, and Jarvis is an AI yeah i so, so i I think what he's missing is he's missing the human connection like as much as he wants to keep himself down in his lab constantly tinkering away doing something he does need the human touch mm. and you i think you sort of see that later
1: on when um Nick Fury gets quite erratic with him yeah um we we also see now well just a little later on um uh, Justin Hammer works to break uh, Vanco out of the prison. Yeah, uh, and because he knows that he can outdo Tony mm-hmm. by building, helping him build these armored suits, which are like kind of going to be just as good as Iron Man suits, and and s- like sell them as a well, sell them to the, the American Army. Which it doesn't play out like that in hindsight, because he wants them to be manned units, but um, Vanco makes them basically drone units. Um, but that's that's kind of just setting the scene there. But uh, but then we yeah going back to Tony, um, yeah we see, we have this party scene back home because he he thinks it might be his last birthday
0: oh yeah, this is where he's at like, I think it's 83% blood toxicity, isn't
1: he? Yeah. So he's, um,
0: he's on his last legs.
1: Yeah. And I, 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 right, I'm just thinking about this. This is just totally just a random thing. This happened earlier in the film, but I want to bring it up because it kind of plays into something I brought up in our discussion on Iron Man 1. Um, Can you remember when I was saying about how um, there was this like the implied sex scene? And I was kind of saying, how is this a 12? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I thought there was a few close moments in it that suggest it might not be a 12. There was a bit in this one, um, in the boxing ring bit, when we first got introduced to Natalie... And it's like, we we see, like, kids are watching this, and Tony brings it up on his uh, phone, images of her in, like, a bra (laughs) and pants. (laughs) Oh, yeah!
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's really weird, isn't it? It's like, literally, Scarlett Johansson had done, like, a a lingerie shoot or something. Yeah. They just used those photos for no particular reason, other than the fact that... They're just going through her personnel file now. Yeah, she's, if it's her personnel file, why would she have lingerie shots
1: in there? Well, she she it was something like she was a model for a, a Japanese or yeah, that's, something like lingerie uh, they, company.
0: Yeah, they do actually explain it, but it is very strange. Yeah,
1: and Excellent. I thought it's a bit if I, if I'd got the young kids, I would have thought, ooh... But then <laughs> it would have made me feel uncomfortable if I'd got young kids are uh, watching it with me. Sure, but then like
0: they have a couple of really odd moments later on. So you know the bit with the boxing ring
1: where mm. she
0: goes into the ring with Happy and mm. she goes under the under the ropes, like,
2: mm. and, like yeah.
0: if they they kept the camera at a certain angle so that you wouldn't see her, her assets, let's just say. Um, yeah, yeah. But then later on there's like a scene where she's talking to Tony. And literally, all you can see is side boob, and it's like because of the way but, that the camera's set up, it's like literally right next to her, and all you got in frame is like Tony's, like Tony himself, and then S- Scarlett Johansson's side boob, and it's just weird.
1: Is this is that the scene where that we was just talking about, where like she said, Tony says to her, "If this was your last birthday, I would just celebrate it." Yeah,
0: yeah, that's the one. Yeah, she do whatever. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. It's like I would do whatever I want with whoever I want.
1: Yeah, uh, so- because to be honest, at that point, I thought, <laughs> is he gonna, is he gonna have a a, a fling with her right now? I thought um, the
0: same the first time I watched it as well.
1: Yeah, um, but anyway, but the, after that, we basically see him go uh, off off the rails, getting drunk. Um,
0: yeah I would say not even just getting drunk he's getting drunk in the Iron Man suit
1: yeah <laughs> and we see him yeah fall, he's falling around and stuff yep and then when uh, uh, uh what's his name again uh, Rody Rodi. yep yeah. he comes to basically he gets in the Iron, another Iron Man suit to basically get him to stop yep acting how he is mm. and I thought it was kind of, it was kind of a, a neat scene. It was because yeah. there was like, un, well, right until the end, they're fighting each other in Iron Man suits, but not actually using the powers of the suit yeah. until the end.
0: Yeah. They're literally just like throwing having a drunken.
1: Yeah. Is, they're having a drunken fight. I thought that, uh, that,
0: I actually do agree that that made sense because it's like, you, you can clearly tell the neither one wants to hurt each other. They're just trying to prove a point. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, Rhody is obviously very frustrated with the fact that he's he's taken a bullet for for Tony in a sense like with everybody, yeah. And he's getting he's getting mugged off, whereas Tony, you know, you can understand Tony's plight. He's depressed. He's miserable, and he knows he's gonna die. So he just doesn't care. Uh, but yeah. it, it just comes across the way that he usually does. It's just so you know nonchalant, basically. Yeah. So you can understand motivation motivations. 100 percent there where he does get so angry that he goes down into that uh into his workshop and takes the first suit he can get and i thought yeah. i thought the reveal itself you know it's going to happen but when you see the suit like not even like painted or anything just pure silver you yeah. see that and he's just like i'm only going to say this once get out it's mm-hmm. the, the delivery's is perfect and it's a really impactful scene, I thought, in this in this film.
1: Yeah, it was definitely one of my favourite points in the film.
0: Yeah, and I think I think that the only problem I have with it is I think they tried to ham up the comedy a little bit too much. I think if they yeah. would have if they would have played that straight and tried not to play it for laughs, I think it would have been a lot more impactful.
1: Mm. So. Um, so after that, we see Tony the next day and is like on this donut and. We see at this point, uh, sh- Shield come back into play with um, Sam, uh, Agent Coulson, and um, well, at this point, we also see um, Scarlett Hansen that sh- she, well, Natalie is, yeah. is working for Shield like undercover. Yeah, uh,
0: so so this reveals that she is actually uh, they call it a triple agent. Right, like Tony specifically says to her, "You're you're basically a triple agent at this point." Mm. So, yeah, yeah. She's revealed then to be uh, actually called Natasha Romanoff.
1: Yeah, so, and but... and we see um, Nick Fury as well. Yeah, talking with with um, Tony, revealing the fact that he knew Howard his dad very well. And was that Howard was one of the founding members of the Shield, mm. uh, and basically, it's also shown that they've got this um, like serum that slows the the symptoms of his uh, poisoning. Yeah. So it's not a cure, but it it it's something to keep him alive. But they also don't they also reveal that they're working on something. Because this actually quite, this made me chuckle a little bit mm-hmm. when Tony's saying, look, I've, I've tried absolutely every single, everything under the sun yeah. to try and find um, a cure for my poisoning mm-hmm. and to keep me alive. And it made me laugh when Nick says to him, well, I'm here to tell you that you haven't tried everything. There was something like that I don't know why it just made it, it made, the delivery of it made me laugh. I mean
0: it, it's very typical Samuel Jackson delivery of the line I think and I think yeah. that's probably why I enjoyed it as well because it's it's so typical for him but mm. it, it, it also very much makes sense with Nick Fury in his character and the fact that there's obviously government technology that he's not telling anyone about. Uh, yeah. So, so if Tony doesn't know about this serum that gives him another couple of days, basically, or however long it is that they give him, then surely he hasn't seen every single solution that he can come up with. And I think it's it's the best way to try and give Tony a pep talk.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, but he's, he's still kind of a bit a bit depressed because he goes back home and is watching um, on the projector his, his dad. Yeah. And then- at the end his dad is basically uh talking to him directly yeah um, in
2: indi- well
0: directly indirectly directly basically it's sort of like, yeah he just so happens to stumble across this film mm. that you know he's work that howard is working on throughout this whole thing to talk about the um uh the the city of tomorrow basically <sighs> and then he just so happens to insert uh, this convenient uh message for Tony at the time of his need, uh, his worst time of need basically.
1: Yeah and also so this is one of the things I had a bit of a problem about the film because yeah he's, he's saying that it's a new he's been working on the structure of a new element that he at the time he couldn't produce himself due to technology limitations. Yeah um but that, but Tony has got it within him to fulfill on this this uh, this element, like to uncover it himself, basically. Yeah. Um, and then when Tony then goes later back to um, his office where where um, Pepper is now working as CEO, mm. and we see him get like the whole light bulb moment of him looking at the the map that's been like uh, dismantled and put 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 aside. Yeah. And it goes back home and uncovers this element. So the the thing I didn't really like was it just seemed a bit all too convenient in terms of like how his dad would have no way of knowing. Yeah. That. Is going to, that his son is going to be Iron Man in the future, and conveniently the element that he's working on is also going to be able to help keep him alive by Sh- keeping his heart beating, basically. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I
0: never got the impression that it was down to the fact that it was to do with Iron Man. It is just, I think it is just solely the fact that he knew that Tony would take over his life's
1: work because. Um, but what what is this, what would this element, what purpose would it serve otherwise? Is it just like a new energy source or something?
0: Yeah, so
1: you remember, in
0: the, this is kind of a callback to the first film where they talk about the arc reactor. And it's yeah. just, another, just another level, basically, to the arc reactor. It's like they have to create a new element to create a sustainable energy source that is... Right. Um, for,
1: okay, that makes more sense then.
0: Yeah, so it's it's never anything to do with spe- the specifics of Iron Man. It's just the fact that Tony has had this accident in the first mm. film, and he's having to use this element to stave off the, uh, the poisoning and the shrapnel from from that first film. Yeah.
2: All right. So, so it that's just, fair. It, it that's sort fair. of
0: plays into that, but I will agree, it's not very well explained. It does sort mm. of make it look like that this is directly a message to Iron Man, but not
1: like not to Tony, really. It's, yeah, it's odd. I will agree, but um, and it's yeah. also kind of like what we discussed earlier, in that um, the light bulb moment of like how this this map has been laid out gives Tony the the idea of how this new element is going to come into existence. Yeah, um, and that's purely because of the creation of this um, this part of this expo, which didn't exist before.
0: Yeah, and it's the fact that he finds something in that uh, in that scale model, isn't isn't it? That yeah, he then yeah. identifies that could be this new element. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, another one of those. I think it's like, well, we need we need to wrap things up really. So, and we're in this. We're in the second act of the film and everything's sort of coming to a head. We're coming very, very close towards the, the the beginning of act three. And we need to go somewhere with this because this middle section, I felt, was the worst part. It, yeah. it meanders so badly throughout this. And yeah, we have a couple of bright spots with, um, you know, the scene with and, and and Tony having fight in the suits and all that sort of thing. But I felt a lot of this was very, very dull, you know. Yeah. And this is the problem that I have with sequels generally. So it's, I, I don't even think it's just this film. I think it's sequels as a whole, that mm. because they haven't got any, they they have no time to set up any characters because they've already done it in the first film. You find that the second act ends up meandering a little bit because they just don't know what to do. Um, yeah. And they're trying to give some sort of motivation. But this one, it feels so very forced. It's like, okay, S.H.I.E.L.D. have grounded me. Um, I've got Agent Coulson watching the door of everything I do. But yeah, he's still able able to get in his Aldi, go and pick up a punnet of strawberries from the middle of bloody nowhere. (laughs) Go to Pepper's office. Have a good old conversation with her whilst... Natasha is there, who is a double, a triple agent for Shield. Yet she doesn't tell Fury of that. And then you have this fleeting moment for Coulson later on, where he's like, "I heard you left the premises." Like, yeah, that was months ago. Yeah, so, like that bit is played for laughs, and it is, it's so utterly ludicrous that this would even be the case, especially with someone like Shield. Yeah. So I, I have issues, and I have big issues with that so
1: but well, while all this has been going on mm. the, we all we have the scenes where like we go to Hammer Industries and see what um, uh, uh. is being worked on by Hammer and Banco. yeah so uh,
0: there, there is an interesting fact about this so Hammer's factory is actually Elon Musk's SpaceX facility in, Hal- in Hawthorne California Right. Uh, the people that are walking in the background are actually his employees.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: So yeah, we we've got a cameo from Musk and also him u- producing his facility to be able to help with the filming. Right. So it's very weird, but anyway. Yeah. So we 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 see that Vanco is obviously working on the uh the Iron Man suits that Hammer has already produced, but
1: he has yeah,
0: a lot of stuff to muck around with him.
1: Yeah, he's made them drones, basically, which Hammer isn't pleased about. But he sort of just um, has to accept it, though, doesn't he? Yeah.
0: He's been outsmarted, he's been out uh, outclassed and outspoken to, basically.
1: Yeah. But he gets to the point where he does get fed up with Vanko taking liberties and basically takes a couple of guards with him into the room mm. and to guard over him when he goes to... Go and do his presentation, but um Vanco just dispatches of him and goes ahead with his plans anyway of yeah. controlling the, the drones.
0: Yeah, which you don't actually know that he's done anything to these guards until you see specifically like this shot of one of them hanging from the ceiling.
2: Yeah, which you or both
0: or, or, well, yeah, you see both of them hanging from the ceiling. You don't really see that them as such. You just see this silhouette in the background, basically. Yeah. So. It is it? Uh, I think the final act of this film is actually quite enjoyable, though.
2: Yeah, I would agree. So yeah, oh.
0: so yeah, we've come up to the point where we've got um, Hammer giving his uh, speech at uh, Stark Expo, mm.
1: um,
0: which I thought was a little strange that Hammer would be talking at Stark Expo.
1: Yeah, I was thinking exactly the same thing at that. It it, it was even at the point where I thought. Um, is this Stark Expo? Yeah. Yes, it's Stark Expo, and that's weird. Mm. I mean, <laughs> like, why, why? Who gave him approval to, to be there? Yeah. Like, yeah. I was a, co- yeah. Wait,
0: was... I do have a quick question about this, though. So you know, when he comes onto stage and he's doing that really elaborate dance
2: dancing. Yeah. Do you yeah. think?
0: Do you think that's just Sam Rockwell just being Sam Rockwell?
1: Um, so it's not
0: his character; it's just him just having fun.
1: Yeah, kind of. Yeah, but I think, I think he, I think he is having fun, and yeah. like probably I, I can see what you mean in terms of it, like probably being improvised. Yeah, but I think he's only doing that because he knows the character he's playing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I would agree. It's defi- It's definitely a little bit from column A and a little bit from column B. I yeah. think it's, this definitely does feel like one of those moments where John Favreau probably was just like yeah just have fun with it just do what you got to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So but it, this is also kind of like the bit where um he yeah we see that he, he isn't quite Tony Stark level and is doing his speech and jokes that aren't aren't catching on. Yeah. But then it's he it kind of redeems himself when he unveils all these um these robots yeah um for the various different organizations in the army like the Navy and yeah. uh, such like um be- yeah he kind of redeems himself because it, it seems as if he's impressing everyone that's in there because they're, they're all applauding mm, that's where he gets impressed
0: yeah he gets the biggest buzz and the biggest pop from from those reveals and he's really having fun with it as well when he
1: yeah because it. it's and like yeah, he's like pointing, pointing and to them.
0: Yeah, and it's just as yeah. they come up, he's like, Air Force, Marines. Yeah, so like, yeah, you can see he's really enjoying this, and I thought it was really well done.
1: Yeah, and then the final one is Rhodes coming up in in the armor that like contra- that confide with the rest of the drones.
0: Oh yeah, we didn't exactly talk about that moment where he's uh, where he's getting all the upgrades for the suit.
2: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Oh my god, that is hilarious! So,
1: yeah, it was good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I could see what you mean, by obviously, like um, Sam Rockwell's uh, character, like uh, Hammer, is obviously hamming it up a fair bit. Mm. But I, I, I just love the fact, and this is why I love the scene. It's just, um, it's Don Cheadle's reaction to the whole thing. He just so stays so straight throughout the whole thing. And he's seeing all this big weaponry get put in. Like, you start out with, uh, you know, your regular 9mm pistol, your Uzi, you've got a bazooka or a grenade launcher, you've got a minigun, mm. then you've got the ex wife. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's just literally deadpan. He's like, I'll take it. He's like, what? 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 what What? exactly? He's like, all of it. And just yeah, away. That... It's like, brilliant, perfect. Yeah. It's so it's... fitting with, with Rodi's character as well.
1: Yeah, when I was saying about like how um, I wasn't a fan of like just how hammy uh, hammer, hammer was, yeah. pardon the pun. <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> another great example of that is when he w- w- once he's broken um, Vanco out of the prison and he flies him over um, to, oh, so or, it's, yeah, it's, it's to it's like. U.S. into the U.S. Mm. Yeah, and is there that like, he gets taken out of the van, and is there with like with the plane? Oh yeah, yeah. Eating a luxurious meal.
0: Oh, it's the dessert that he's had imported from California.
1: Yeah, yeah. That whole that whole scene, like it just seemed way too cheesy for me. Agreed, Uh, yeah,
0: it's a very fine line between eccentric and cheesy, I think, especially in these kinds of movies. And I
1: think, yeah, especially like knowing, like, he's seen what kind of character um, that uh, Vanco is, Mm. like, even just from what he's seen of him and what he's done on TV. Yeah, like, you're not telling me that he thinks it's going to be a good idea to present himself. In this proper cheesy way of really setting out a posh dining table with luxurious meals, where wearing a that like, what do you call that kind of service with the butlers and stuff? Oh, it'll it just seem
0: it's just upper market, you know, sort of very posh, very uh very billionaire like, isn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah, it just seemed, yeah, a, another example of real cheesiness that i i didn't really like too much Agreed. but anyway going back to um yeah the the whole end sequence um i thought was good um mm. and flying well we see iron man um in his improved suit come to uh confront yeah. hammer and
0: it, i think it's interesting actually because we've i mean we've slightly skipped only mildly, because it does happen around about the same time as the forming of the new element and the work that he does with that. Um, There is actually uh, a little interesting nugget there, and I need to ask you the question. You know the moment when um, Tony sees this circular thing um, and Coulson makes a comment on it and he he uses it to prop something up on his machine? Do you remember that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah the what,
0: shield. Yeah, I was gonna say, do you know what that is?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, good. Because yeah, that's a that that was obviously a bit of a nod to one of the films that's gonna come a little bit later. Yeah. So and and there's a bit of an explanation for
1: um I I, I recognise it just from like media.
0: Of course, yeah, but there is an explanation in that. Uh, in a film in a couple of couple of movies time which will that sort of makes sense to that whole thing there so right. just keep that I was just gonna say keep that one in mind right so um I just thought that was interesting how Colson obviously knows what it is I don't mm. think Tony does even though no. that's weird but I'll I can talk about that in the ne- in that film in a few episodes. Yeah. But I just um, like the way that they played it for laughs. It's like, you know, like as an audience member, you kind of know what it is as well yourself. And you just, you're thinking, what are they going to do with this? And he just plays it for laughs.
2: Yeah.
0: So, But I, I thought the scene where he creates the element, uh, it's an interesting one. Um, and then he obviously inserts it into his arc reactor and he has this moment of like, oh my God, this power. Uh, I thought that was good, and it obviously shows that he makes he's made so many additions to this new suit to incorporate it. Yeah. So he, but then, yeah, like you said, he fly he flies down into Stark Expo, uh, just uh, just after Road Roadie's been unveiled, right?
1: Yeah, and then we see, pretty much immediately we see that he gets hacked by Vanko as yeah. well as all the drones, and then a big. This is when the big fight ensues, basically, and like there's a quite a large chase sequence. Uh, Yeah,
0: Mm, yeah, they make it; they do sort of make it look like that. The minute that Tony drops in is when everything goes wrong, and it it Mm. does. It seems a bit too convenient. It's, I'm thinking, like, yeah, okay, maybe um, Vanco didn't quite have full control over the system because you can see throughout the film that he's a bit of a genius, right, especially with computer programming. Yeah. So it, I just thought there was a, it was just a bit too convenient that, that happened. Yeah. That everything else after that, I, with exception to a few things which I'll get into in a bit. I thought it was mostly done well.
1: Yeah, I thought it was an exciting sequence, like when they're they're flying like underneath, um, like the bridges and in the car park areas, like um, yeah. manoeuvring between the pillars and stuff. Yep, that was all quite exciting, and then they eventually end up in that big dome. Yeah, they do. Um, um,
0: the, the only other thing I'll mention is obviously there's, there's a mild side plot going on with the fact that Happy and um, Natasha oh, yeah. go elsewhere.
1: Yeah, that was quite funny. Yeah, with, they, they're,
0: um, yeah they're going into, um, into Hammer Industries, aren't they?
1: Yeah, and the bit where she's basically beating up guards left, right and centre. And he takes and one. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, that is kind of funny, but this is where i have a massive problem with the filmmaking right um you look uh, and this is a massive problem for our action movies this isn't just a marvel thing this is just movies in general you see obviously when she's taking when natasha's taking down these guards how many cuts are there for one move so she goes to do this um uh i can't even remember what they call it in wrestling it's um I don't even know. It's like so she, she she puts her legs around someone's head and basically just. Oh
1: yeah, so I know it. Down, yeah. There's, there's, yeah, yeah.
0: there's like four or five cuts throughout that whole thing. <laughs> like, yeah. and then it and then it does it with the next guard where it cuts her like two or three times. It's like I would have just. I'm really disappointed that obviously if they're gonna write this kind of scene in where she's very agile, very equipped fighter. Why do they need to cut this many times? Unless the actor or the actress couldn't do it physically themselves, and I'm I'm disappointed by that. Mm. Uh, I know it's hard. I know it's very difficult. But don't write that into into a character then, if that's going to be the case. Yeah, uh, it's just it's just an issue I have with with filmmaking just generally. Uh, yeah. I would like to see more of the action without all this static cutting constantly. Mm. So, but yeah, other than that, I think, I think that scene is generally okay. Uh, they, they, they play it for laughs, obviously in that one section, but you do get a very good impression of what Natasha can do.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, but, and what, and what happy can do. <laughs> or
0: what he can't do.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: He <laughs> can get a good good old punch into the face a few times and then take someone down, but yeah, he just gets shown up by this absolutely yeah. incredible agent. Yeah. Which makes sense, she's a shield agent. You would sort of expect her to know what she's doing.
1: Yeah. So Uh then we yeah, we we see eventually well in that in the dome mm. uh I quite like the bit where uh this, they get surrounded and there's a bit of a a bit of a fight with like them just using the their suits' basic powers, but then eventually, um, uh, Tony uses like a laser beam to basically just spin around and destroy absolutely everyone. Oh
0: yeah, so, yeah! But once again, they play it for laughs as well, don't
1: they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I quite yeah. like that moment. Yeah, it was a good and, delivery
0: by Don Cheadle again, with as Ross yeah. just saying like. Next time maybe just lead with that.
1: Yeah. It was good. And too. then then Vanco comes down though in his uh in his armour. Yeah, and... so
0: that's essentially what we haven't seen throughout the whole film is that actually he's been modifying one of the one of the yeah. suits that Hammer has been uh has made
1: and he's made yeah. it his own. Yeah. And I quite like that he's he's still kept the like um electric whips on
0: there yeah very unique uh part of the armor actually and it does because we could have a big problem here with the fact that you've got uh iron man and war machine both uh both there and this other suit turn up that all look identical and it, yeah. you could have this issue of who's fighting who and who is who you know yeah you he's know, you know also... red and gold so that's about as much as you know
1: yeah but I also like the fact that um, it, it's so different. It, it, like the vi- the villain isn't just another repeat of a, a, a bigger and better Iron Man suit, like in from the first film.
0: Yeah, I agree. At least it had something very different.
1: Yeah, and it also presents a weakness to Iron Man's suit. Sure, but then it is eventually the way he's defeated is by. Them all connecting up together, and Tony and um, War Machine firing like a um, the energy repulsors to collide and create a sec- an explosion.
0: Yeah, and this was but, a, this was a good throwback actually to the fight that I had earlier on in the film. Yeah, and It's it, the only way that I actually stopped the fight was that yeah, they both tried to fire a repulsor blast at each other, and it just
1: yeah, they just so they know fit. it works.
0: Yeah, exactly, which is why Tony suggests it to him.
1: Yeah. But one of the other things that Vanko has done with his suit is this whole self-destruct button. Yeah. Yeah, and he installs
0: it on every single one of the drones as well.
1: Yeah. And that leads to Tony uh, going off and rescuing uh, Pepper, who's near one of them. Which...
0: Okay, logistically speaking, some of this doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah, um, she's I half, agree.
0: She's halfway across town. They're all blow, basically blowing up at the same time, yet there's this chain reaction that goes off and they're happening one by one by one.
2: Uh, yeah, so,
1: and this, and it, unless I missed it or can't remember it, does Tony conveniently seems to know exactly where she is. I think he
0: knows that she's in Stark Industries because...
1: Yeah, but she, does he? as uh, has he got the exact GPS location? I don't on think I don't think he does. <laughs> so
0: yeah, d- number one. Suspend it. Suspend. Suspend your disbelief at the door. Uh, yeah. Very convenient that one. Uh, yeah. And and also, I think had they not shown that increase in power that he got from this new element, then it would also be ridiculous that he managed to fly his way across halfway across yeah. this sit- this massive city
2: and find mm. her in time for one of the drones to go off. Yeah. It's, yeah, very
1: convenient. You, uh, well, you, could, say, you
0: could question it very badly, but
1: we won't. Yeah. He saves her anyway and takes to the rooftop, and this is basically the the end of the film, nearly. Yeah. Um, they, they end up kissing. That's quite a funny moment when... Uh, what, machine is sat there as well (laughs) i forgot
0: about that yeah he's he's like yeah you might want to keep this to yourself it's like okay (laughs) yeah i heard everything
1: (laughs) well this is kind of like we've seen hints of um tony and pepper's relationship maybe taking off before but this is the first time that they actually do have a proper kiss moment.
0: It's, it is one of the more touching moments throughout the film because I think a lot of the film pl- is played for laughs but this yeah. is one of, the, uh, one of the very few moments that's actually uh, quite emotional.
2: Yeah. Uh, um,
0: I, I think it's done well between the two of them. I'm just not overly convinced between their chemistry as a couple. Especially, yeah. uh, like, especially not in this film. It does it is something that they do play on later on down the MCU's line so I would be interested obviously once we get to the points where you see them like that and how you feel that their relationship has evolved
1: Okay and after this we're basically wrapping up now with, um, we have a scene where Fury and Tony Stark are sat together and Fury informs Stark that he he doesn't think is suitable for the Avengers initiative at this stage but kind of like they do want they do think iron man is Yeah. or the the iron man technology
0: yeah so they bring him on as a consultant yeah which obviously doesn't gel well with the fact that tony likes to have control yeah sort of a bit of a bit of a hit to the ego and i think that was why they done that is that they they have someone there that is also a bigger ego than tony stark hmm with uh, Nick Fury, so they're just like they're, they're playing off the fact that Nick Fury is not someone to be messed with,
1: yeah. So
0: but then um, I think that's it, it's basically it. After that, apart from the end credit sequence,
1: yeah. So if we just discuss that now, yeah, can do so. Um, it,
0: it's brief, isn't it? Um, yeah, like, like with most end credit sequences, it's they, they do um, make mention of uh, New Mexico. Uh, early, yeah, earlier. the film with yeah. that Agent Colson has been reassigned and that's why we had that played for last moments where he says oh um I've been redeployed. Uh where were you? Like I I left the premises basically. Yeah. So um, uh, I want to know so your I reaction made... to this.
1: Um I thought it was cool. Um okay. basically I know what what's what the next film is in now. Yeah. Or... Uh, well, I, th- I did anyway, but um,
0: yeah, I did. I was thinking about that when we actually recorded last time. I probably shouldn't have told you the schedule.
1: It was a <laughs> no. Well, I, I, I know because I've looked at it. To be honest,
0: Oh, okay, fine, yeah, but I did specifically. Well, at least out.
1: for the uh, know, for the first phase, anyway. I haven't actually. I, I'll avoid looking at it for sure. the rest of the, the the phases.
0: Okay, and I'm gonna try my best to not reveal it beforehand, so uh, we can. So at least you can go in with some. Minor bit of surprise, at least. But I yeah. did, I did think about that after the last recording. I was like, "Well, oh, I told you what was coming." That might have given something. <laughs> like, oh God! But yeah, I'd actually forgotten this end credit sequence did actually show that.
1: Yeah, but I think, other than that, I'd say there's not not much more to say. Other than um, it was, it just showed you what that who who the next character is that they're going to address. Yeah, which
0: makes a lot of sense. Uh, they obviously have to do something to hype up the next movie. And mm. I think at this point they had started informing people that there were end credit sequences. Because, yeah. Uh, I think in the first movie nobody realised it and then um, when, it came, when it came to the fact that obviously the DVD release happened and someone just so happened to sit and watch all the credits or forward <clears throat> through the credits and found this scene at the end of the movie. Mm. Sort of just gave credence this idea that Marvel were just going to keep doing this over and over again. Yeah. It seems to work and it keeps butting seats like, uh, yeah, the way through. And I'll get to it when we talk about uh, one of the films very much later on down the line, but uh, one of the films that I did see in cinema, every single person did not move an inch once the credits rolled. Right. So they had been conditioned throughout a lot of films to know that something else was coming.
1: Yeah. So it's just a bit okay. of a strange one. So that's, that's it, really. Um, if we go on to like how we both would give this film score-wise.
0: Yeah, sure. I think as, as the person who's not watched this before, I think you should, uh, you should give your impressions.
1: Um, so, yeah, as I said at the very beginning, I, I enjoyed this film. It's probably the one that I've had most problems with so far. Yeah. Um, but the two high points, with the scene in in like the party, Tony's party, yep. and um, the scene at the Monaco Grand Prix, I thought they were really good moments. Yeah, that took that like helped to alleviate any problems I had with the film. But overall, I'd say I probably didn't enjoy it quite as much as what as Iron Man. Well, that probably just just ever so slightly less than Iron Man One and the Incredible Hulk. I'd probably maybe put it in terms of enjoyment on a par with the Incredible Hulk, okay. uh, which uh, I think I gave three. I think I gave it three stars. Yeah, um, you I, get, yeah, I'm sure you
0: gave it. Three. It's either
1: three or three and a half. And I gave it, I think it was like two and a half or three. Yeah. So I'd give Iron Man 2 a three, three stars.
0: Mm. I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to disagree with you on that one. I think uh, a three star rating is probably around about right for this film. Um, Yeah. For me personally, like this is, this is a genuinely a weaker film than the first one but it has some incredible set point, set moments that just elevate the film uh, I, think, yeah. I think the action sequences are done a lot better in this film uh, The especially like those scenes that you said the Monaco the Monaco <laughs> racetrack the the fight between um, War Machine and Iron Man for the first time and I think the fight that they have with Vanko at the end as well is also very well done uh, I just think it the reason why this isn't as good for me is that, it's that second act. I think the second act really ruins this film at times. Mm. It puts too much on the table. It's, um and it's, it's like I said, throughout the, the analysis is that it's just an issue I have with sequels and the fact that they can't maintain this, you know, steady story point, uh, storytelling. And it sort of meanders throughout, throughout. Yeah. It. It's like, some of it might and, be a little bit too long and stuff like that it's just i think if i would have cut the film down probably by about 15 minutes then it might have been tighter and i might have enjoyed it a
1: little bit more yeah and i also remember you making remarks around a couple of the moments of actual like filmmaking yeah. that you weren't keen on
0: yeah and that's like i said it's just a general filmmaking side of things where i'm actively looking for things like that and you know it, especially uh, and i'll use an example sure. of like how how a good bit of filmmaking can be done and it's a film that i saw a couple of days ago was um, murder on the orient express the the one by kenneth branner um mm. it there's this moment when you first see the the orient express and they're just getting onto the onto it and it is literally just a one shot and you see him talking to characters that are going to be key players, but it never breaks shot, it's from the outside perspective of the train, you can see everything that's going on, you can see the grand scale of this this journey that they're going to take, and it's so expertly done from a, an incredible director, and there is a reason why I bring Murder on the Orient Express and Kevin Branner up, specifically, and it will make sense when I say the next film and who directs it. So... <laughs> I think that was a spoiler in its own right, just to tell you that.
1: But
0: but it just shows that there is a different class of filmmaker out there. And once you get that, you just can't see much else being done that's really well done when they're constantly cutting things in action sequences and all of that. And it's, it's disappointing, especially with the budget that Marvel put on put into these kinds of films that there are these really egregious moments of uh, overcutting and stuff like that that just, as someone who enjoys films, I just don't enjoy it
2: yeah so,
0: I think for me a 3 is the perfect rating for this one I couldn't go any higher because of the problems I have with it
1: yeah, cool so Thor is next on the list
0: yeah, uh, directed by Kenneth Branagh
1: right so, cool uh, well, yeah, uh, i look forward to it
0: yes uh we w- w- obviously going to cover that in the next episode so to wrap us up do you want to let everyone know where they can follow us contact us uh, with feedback questions anything
1: yeah so um on twitter we are at the neverwatchers um send any feedback on this episode or if you've been listening to previous episodes um send that in, we'd love to hear from you and and if you want to give me a follow on Twitter, I'm at at angry underscore Kurt, and Pete if you want to reveal your Twitter name Yeah, so you can
0: follow me at Pete Beckett1, I'll spell the surname because not everyone knows, it's B-E-C-K-E double T and it's the number one um, we have had some really good feedback actually based on the, the previous episodes, uh, some very constructive criticism as well, uh, so just to let everyone know that we are working in the background to be able to get uh, to address some of those points, so we want to thank you very much for obviously uh, letting us know that you've been enjoying it and where we can obviously improve, so um, yeah. keep keep doing that in the future and we'll we'll obviously keep going forward and keep improving the format that we are at because... Like with like with the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the early stages, we don't know it. We don't know everything. We're we're working on it. It's an ongoing project. Mm. So cool. So, from from my illustrious co-host Kurt and from myself Pete Beckett, uh, we will catch you for episode four. Episode four. <laughs>
1: uh, Yeah, Yeah, I I know
0: it was really bad, but I had to finish with that.
1: (laughs) All right.
0: right. See you later, guys.
2: Cheers. Cheers.